Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast, and the only podcast to be burned at the stake for the crime of stealing penises and keeping them in a bird's nest. Keeping them in a bird's nest? Where else else would you put a bunch of penises that you've stolen? I don't know, like an old shoebox? I think the crime was where we kept them, not actually that we stole them. Oh, that's right. No one cares if you steal a penis. But putting them in a bird's nest, that's crossing the line. So, what are we talking about today? I don't know. I think it's about witchcraft. Jesus, it's been so long since we've done a podcast. I forgot how to do these things. Let's wing it. It's really not like riding a bike. It's not. It's like recording something and trying to have it sound somewhat professional and maybe helpful to people. It's not at all like that either. No. (laughs) Uh, How about iTunes reviews? I have a good feeling about this one. I feel like I'm featured prominently. Let's see here. The first one's more penis, a five-star review by 21st Century Boy. Nice reboot. Love Matt, but he always sounds like he's talking through a gimp suit. Hey, I managed to get the mouth zipper open, at least. He is talking through a gimp suit. Very perceptive. Yeah, the nipple zippers are always open. (laughs) Just listen because of Matt. What the fuck? (laughs) Five-star review by Vicious Tyrant. Chuck does his best, but Matt, thank you, sir. Chuck's voice makes it sound like there's peanut butter on his fingertips. While Matt sounds like he's talking through a silky smooth tube sock. That's right, baby. What the? Chuck, you gotta stop eating peanut butter when we're podcasting. I think that's a fat joke. Uh, more debate by working in 2005. I listened to your debate podcast years ago with the E4F guys. I thought the topics discussed during those debates were mostly irrelevant to the overall questions when it comes to religion and specifically Christianity. Uh, is there a God? Was Jesus God? That said, I found it very interesting. I'm an agnostic Christian that chooses to believe. That said, I'm open-minded and feel you won the debate hands down. Yeah, why'd you only give us three fucking stars, asshole? What were the topics you discussed during those debates? You know, that's a problem with Christian debates. I think they are mostly irrelevant. You talk about fucking ontological argument or the Kalam cosmological argument and not actual shit that, you know, the reasons why people actually believe. Although I have to say that the reasons people actually believe are far stupider than the Kalam cosmological argument. I would like to hear more debates from experts whom disagree with your perspective and less laughing and mocking other religions. If, what? What? No. <laughs> Were those the Ooh. only episodes you listened to? Jesus. Wait, let's, I want to mock English grammar for a second. <laughs> experts whom Is that correct? disagree. Expert whom disagree? I can't keep track of it. Whom, I think, is the, uh, if it's in, used in an object instead of a subject. So I don't know. It, it sounds stupid. Every time you use whom, it sounds stupid. So fuck you, whom. British people. Whom? Take your whom and shove it up your ass. If more podcasts were in a respectable debate format, uh, I think your fan base would grow astronomically. Yeah, that's what I want. I want more people to complain that the podcast has been delayed. Thank you. <laughs> An astronomically growing fan base is in diametric opposition to our goals at this podcast. <laughs> and the actual reality of this podcast. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's just one guy's opinion, Chuck. Uh, you know, uh, work in the 2005 also left a uh, review on the Evidence for Faith podcast. Would you like to hear that one? Oh, God, do I. Work in 2005. That's his username, by the way? That's his username, yes. It might be his actual name. Oh, I guess somebody just named their kid North, so why not? More debate. A four-star review by working to the... Oh, he gave him four stars. That fucker. What? You fucking bastard. Ban. Ban him. <laughs> Hello. I'm a Christian who truly does have an open mind. I would like to hear more debate with experts that do not believe in Christianity. I heard the debate you did with atheists on another podcast. I thought you were unprepared and could have done much better. I also thought the atheists were extremely disrespectful towards you, laughing every two minutes, and applaud your restraint. <laughs> Why only every two minutes, Chuck? That seems like you were showing some restraint. He should be applauding my restraint for only laughing every two minutes. That asshole. Fuck you, work in 2005. Uh, how come we didn't mention how often you were sighing? <laughs> uh. <laughs> that was far more frequently than two minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Shall we move to skunk dicks? 
Let's move to them. Let's grind the skunk dick into our nether regions. You know, my candidate for skunk dick of the week is the Supreme Court. Uh, they yes, they uh, struck down a key aspect of DOMA, um, the Defense of Marriage Act, which uh, now paves the way for uh, people who are married, uh, whether they're uh, heterosexual, homosexual, gay, straight. If they're legally married in their state, they can get federal benefits. I believe that's the gist of the decision. However, they had an opportunity to uh, strike down the entire thing and um, pave the way for federal rights to gay marriage. Uh, since they did not do that, now we got to fucking wend our way through different fucking lawsuits, the whole thing all over again. State by state. Jesus. You know, in the... Um, <clears throat> Was it the, the late 50s or 60s, the anti-miscegenation laws where blacks couldn't marry whites? The Supreme Court decision on that one was 9 to 0. 9 to 0. A unanimous Supreme Court decision striking down anti-miscegenation laws. Uh, this decision, Matt, 5 to yeah. 4. 5 to yep. 4 for one fucking portion of the Defense of Marriage Act. That to get to grant federal fucking benefits to people who are married. Now, what does this do for gay couples in Utah? Nothing. Nothing. You can't fucking legally get married. So it's state by state. Fuck you, Supreme Court. I'm going to make a guess uh, to which members of the Supreme Court they were. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, I wonder who wrote Scalia? The, I wonder who wrote the dissent. I wonder if that was Scalia. Oh, God. Alito, Thomas, and what? Who? Roberts, I guess, right? Must be. Yeah, I think all the all the conservative members. Um, yeah. Well, I have a related skunk dick to your skunk dick. You don't say. I don't say. Uh, you might have you might have seen after the uh, announcements of their rulings that um, a bunch of senators came out with their opinion on what happened. And uh, front and center was one of our favorites. She's back. It's Michelle Bachman. Oh my God! Didn't she retire? She said, this is a day of history. The Supreme Court has finally done something for all people of America. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's, uh... oh, she God. said the Supreme Court attacked our Constitution today. They attacked equal protection rights of every citizen, and they attacked something they have no jurisdiction over. What do you think that is? <laughs> oh, my God. They attacked equal protection rights by providing for equal protection for gays who happen to be able to marry in their state. Jesus. Well, the foundational unit of our society is marriage, Chuck, and that is something that God created. That is something that God will define. The Supreme Court, though they may think so, have not risen to the level of God. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they may think. At least five of them. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got news for you. Your God was overruled by five little old men and women. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like, sorry, I'd like to read her statement. Weakest fucking deity in the universe. <laughs> she issued a statement as well, Chuck, to clarify what she said, oh, okay. in case you didn't understand it. Are you ready you. for this? Yes. Yeah. Marriage was created by the hand of God. No man, not even a Supreme Court, can undo what a holy God has instituted. For thousands of years of recorded human history, except for maybe 4,000 years prior to that, no society has defended the legal standard of marriage as anything other than between a man and woman. Only since 2000 have we seen a redefinition of this foundational unit of society in various nations. Uh, I, I can't even read the rest of this statement. Just a bunch of stuff like – the clear wheel of the people have been subverted. Anyway, that's my... Um, you realize she's never going to go away, right? She's going to be like fucking Sarah Palin, where even when she's been retired for years, uh, weekly she's going to come out with some fucking statement and the news is going to cover all over it. She's great. I love her. I have yet another skunk dick. Another one? Another one. Uh, you may have heard that um, American Atheist erected a monument in Florida at the Bradford County Fourhouse, Courthouse, it is, um, which has been in the news because they have a big plaque or whatever you call it of the uh, Ten Commandments out front, which uh, they've been suing to get removed. But instead of removing it, they get to put their own monument there, an atheist monument. It's like a little bench with a big uh, granite 
obelisk next to it. I don't know what you would call it. A stool, apparently, because uh, <laughs> Eric Hovind was there along with a bunch of other protesters. But he jumped on top and said, thank you, atheist, for giving me some place to proclaim that Jesus is awesome. Right, or, because without that, uh, without that platform, he would never have been able to declare it. Thank God for atheists. Right. Also, somebody drove by and tossed a toilet seat and a roll of toilet paper at the crowd. <laughs> Nobody got hurt, though. I don't know. I'm not sure what that, that protest I, uh, is. But... I just happened to have a toilet seat here in my car and some toilet paper. So I guess I'll just wing that out at the atheists. So I'm going to call that person in the car another skunk dick. <laughs> Toilet, seat, tosser, Eric Hovine, Michelle Bachman, and the Supreme Court. For not fucking going far enough when they had the opportunity. Make your ruling, Chuck. Who's the skunk uh, dick? I'm going with uh, the Supreme Court, those fucking dick fucks. I was going to go with uh, Eric Hovine for being disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I feel oppressed when Christians are disrespectful toward my lack of religion. Where is my respect? <laughs> Who is the actual skunk dick? The actual skunk dick is... Good God, it's Paula Dean for some reason. Paula Dean, Because she's um, apparently uttered a racial slur 20 years ago? That's right. And we're jumping on the bag wagon. Bag wagon? Bag <laughs> I love, I love that people are so um, appalled by this when essentially uh, it just means that she's from the South. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Although, um, Let's be real. if you don't want to lose your food empire, try not to have uh, slave plantation-based theme parties. So, <laughs> <laughs> Again, from the South. From the South. But is it a shock that – did they not know where she uh, was born and raised? I mean, was, did that come as a shock to people? I, I was not shocked. <laughs> can, we just, can we just label everyone from the South a racist and move forward? Is that possible? Just, just about. I do remember when my granddad, who's from the South, were watching football when I was a kid, and he, could, he just goes out of nowhere. And black boys sure can run. <laughs> just out of nowhere. Um, it's it's amazing that that we're like we're shocked that racism still exists in this country. How is that no, possible? Racism over. We How elected Obama. That's right. We have a black president. Oh my god! All right. So this actual podcast is about witchcraft, Matt. Witchcraft. This is a podcast that I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. It's one of my regrets about not doing it in uh, the first incarnation of this podcast. But uh, I have done an absolute metric shit ton. Of research, I've actually weighed my research, and it came up to 1.21 metric shit tons. That's a lot of shit. Uh, so this podcast may have to be split into two podcasts. Okay. I also have a metric gram of shit to contribute. But yours, Matt, is merely research in water. Damn you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there is documentation of between... 50 and 80,000 people executed as witches during the 16th and 17th centuries, which was the height of the witch craze. And when I say people executed as witches, I mean essentially women. About 80 to 90% of these were women. Right. I wonder why. This is only the trials and executions we have documented evidence for. Remember, um, a lot of these trials took place in rural areas. They probably never even kept records. A lot of records could have been lost. So uh, the actual number may be an order of magnitude greater. Estimates range widely between a low of 50,000 to a high of 9 million. That's insane. Nine million, I find it totally believable. 9 million seems like a lot of witches. That's a lot of witches, yeah. Now, the Spanish Inquisition, which gets a, a lot of a bad rap, right? The poor Spanish Inquisition. Oh, they were yeah. only responsible for about 5,000 deaths during this time. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Well, what I applaud, they showed? <laughs> I applaud their restraint. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> actually, the Inquisition never actually executed anyone. What they did was they tried the person. They're responsible for trying the person. And then when they were found guilty, they released them to the state, the civil authorities, who actually carried out the sentence. Oh, so they're blameless. 
Right. They actually release them <laughs> with a little prayer for mercy. Like, I hope that you don't. No, I pray to God that the state spares your life. It's totally fucking insincere. But it, it you know, allowed them to remain blameless. Well, I can't wait to find out their motivation behind their inquisition. So, as I said, about 80% of these are women. Most of these were older women. Ages ranged between uh, uh, five. How the fuck do you try a and execute a five-year-old for witchcraft? Uh, the same way you execute and try any witch, Chuck. Come on. Uh, five and 80. In one year, 1585, two separate villages in Germany executed every single woman except for one. <laughs> Who was the one that was left? There was only one, <clears throat> one surviving woman in each of these villages. My guess is it was a little baby who couldn't respond to their questions. They kept torturing the baby, but she would not confess. <laughs> she won't talk. Talk, damn you! <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> where did Christians get the idea of witches in the first place? Where did this come from? I'm sure it was... Um spells that people were casting and they were having real effects on the populace. Or Exodus 22.18 Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Damn it, wrong again. <laughs> or possibly Leviticus 20.27 A man also or woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. I'm not sure you need to specify <laughs> what you stone them with. I think that's implicit in the Sentencing. Well, that's because of the uh, some of the first stonings were unsuccessful. People were stoning them with like vegetables and <laughs> all right, <laughs> small <people>. twigs. <clears throat> Quit stoning them with tomatoes. <laughs> you need to stone so, them with stones. No man or woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard. Yes. So no witches or wizards. You can't be a wizard. You can't be a witch. I love how the Bible just takes for granted this shit exists. <laughs> Of course it does. It's in there somewhere. So that's, you know, those are, um, you know, one sentence each out of Exodus and Leviticus. But there's an entire story in 1 Samuel 28 about Saul actually visiting a witch, right? So Samuel the prophet had died. All Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. Saul had expelled the mediums and the wizards from the land. So he's kicked out all the witches and wizards, right? Unfortunately, the Philistines come and they're about to kick his ass. So he gathers all of Israel and encamps them. And uh, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. But when he inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, not by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. I guess Saul had a Urim and Thummim like Joseph Smith. Sure. <laughs> Uh, then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, so that I might go to her and inquire of her. His servant said to him, There is a medium at Endor. So there's a witch at uh, the uh, where the Ewoks are. <laughs> I, th I thought Endor was... Uh, that's Middle Earth from Lord of the Rings. The, <laughs> the moon of Endor. Uh, <laughs> so Saul disguised himself and he went there. And he came to the woman by night and he said, consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one whom I name to you. And so he has her bring up the spirit of Samuel, the prophet. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. <laughs> have no fear. What do you see? I see a divine being coming up out of the ground. So Samuel said, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have summoned you. So that's what you do. Uh, of course I summon you. Yeah. No choice. <laughs> that's what you I do back then. Summon the ghost of a prophet. Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you just as he spoke by me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you today. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your son shall be with me. And the Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. So that means dead? You and your son shall be with me? Yes. So this is pre-heaven pre Bible, right? Yeah, right. Notice he came out of the ground instead of yeah. descended from heaven. So, I, I don't know where the fuck he was. Maybe in Sheol, in the pit. Maybe he was in purgatory. Yeah, he's in the terrestrial kingdom, hanging out. The, 
<laughs> is in spirit prison, of course, according to the Mormons. So, um, by the way, biblical literalists have to believe in witches. They have to believe in witches. You believe the Bible, there's a witch right there summoning right. up Samuel. And a wizard. Don't forget the wizards, Chuck. Yeah, I don't know if there are any That's stories of wizards in there, but they're mentioned. They're mentioned. So what is witchcraft? It's the manner in which individuals, by consorting with the devil, committed evil actions. So uh, a lot of the <laughs> accusations of witchcraft uh, have to do with rural events, because 80% of the population was rural at this time, right? So it's yeah. spoiling of milk, curdling of butter, uh, stacked logs falling over. I just stacked those fucking things. <laughs> Which God damn it, logs. fell over me. Every uh, time I stack my logs, a witch comes along and <laughs> knocks it down. Imagine a witch just hanging out. <clears throat> Midwives were especially targeted for three reasons. One, they tended to be older females, the stereotypical witch. Two, infant mortality was about 50% at this time. And so if your infant died or you miscarried and you were being taken care of by an older woman, then immediately it springs to mind whose fault it is. It's the midwife. And right. doctors were starting to establish themselves as a professional society at this time. So uh, doctors often diagnosed witchcraft in cases they couldn't cure. <laughs> I can't cure it? It's got to be witchcraft. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, do that in the office. See what people say. Also, write them prescription. Your your bones do not heal properly. Witchcraft. Uh, let's not forget that rural people are also amongst the uh, more stupid people. Less less literate and less educated. I guess if you want to be kind, sure. So the context: cases of witchcraft and, and executions for witchcraft were pretty few and far between before the 1500s. Catholic Church mostly thought of it as nonsense. And uh, why is that? Why didn't they immediately come out and uh, persecute witches once they grabbed power from the Romans in the 4th century? Because, Chuck, St. Augustine, only God could, alone could suspend the normal laws of the universe. Witches have no power, so no Satan, nor witches, uh, no magic. It's an error of the pagans to believe in, the, as he said, some other divine power than the one God. Therefore, if witches are powerless, the church need not overly concern herself with their spells or their attempts at mischief. They're knocking down of log piles. Butter curling. <laughs> curling of butter. Yeah. So they felt little need to bother tracking down witches or investigating the allegations of witchcraft. Right. Augustine <clears throat> was pretty much the authority of the church from probably, what, the 4th century through to about 11 or 1200. And he argued uh, that in order to have witchcraft, in order for humans to have this power, God would have to uh, give permission. And since God keeps that power to himself, he would never give permission for the devil to have this power, therefore witches don't exist. It's an error of the pagans. <clears throat> so the church really didn't concern itself. So what changed? So in about 1208, Chuck, uh, Pope Innocent III started an attack on Cathar heretics. Are you familiar with the... Uh, the Cathar. The Cathars? The Cathars. Cathars. Jeez, everybody's got their fancy names. So they believe in a world in which God and Satan both have supernatural powers and they're at war, right? Yeah, that's, that, that's uh, unprecedented, that belief in the history of right. mankind. That was their heresy. So the church tried to discredit the Cathar belief by spreading stories that the heretics actually worship their evil deity in person. And uh, they even <laughs> – the propagandists of the church even depicted Cathars kissing the anus of Satan in a ceremonial show of loyalty to him. Yeah, that will crop up again in the uh, Malleus Maleficarum and, and other works on witchcraft. So – I think we've seen this kind of thing before throughout history. You you got a group of people you don't like. So how about you just malign them in some way, right. and then you have a reason to attack and kill them? It's not or enough to just out. to just say, well, this is not a properly orthodox belief. Here's why it's wrong. Here's the evidence why it's wrong. You uh, actually misconstrue their belief and spread propaganda against them, and then uh, you get everyone your minions to do the dirty work for you. That's right. This also was seminal because it was a changing of the understanding of Satan from just as like your mischievous spirit, you know, like your Loki, your, you know, your coyote and Native American mythology to like a deeply sinister and evil force. Right. Before, before this time, uh, Satan was, you know, kind of the accuser or the spoiler in 
Hebrew, right? He would, like in Job, he'd go around accusing people. God says, this guy's really good. And Satan says, yeah, well, why don't you test him? And then you'll find out. So he was kind of the uh, adversary, the prosecuting attorney type. And it wasn't until about the 1200s that Satan transformed from that into this totally evil adversary of God. So actually, the Cathars essentially won the won the war on this part. They that's uh, right. They turned their beliefs right. <laughs> they, they turned they them into their own beliefs. beliefs. Um, they also took my favorite Greek god and have much maligned him. And I'm of course talking about Pan, who is now like every time you see an illustration of Satan, it's pretty much based on Pan. Uh, so after that, about 1273, I believe you're familiar with this Dominican monk, Thomas Aquinas. He's the one that drove all the snakes away. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas or St. Patrick, one of the two. One of them. Um, So he put out his uh, work, uh, Summa Theologian, which I probably pronounced right or correct incorrectly, and you're going to correct me right now. So go ahead. Summa Theologica. Damn you. Or simply the Summa. All right. So Thomas Aquinas, 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 Aquinas. He put out his Summa Theologica which is his case for the existence of God, and much of which became adopted as the orthodoxy of the church. So he argued that the world was full of evil and dangerous demons. Demons, Chuck! Of course it is. That's obvious. And they had the habit. It was one of those things you just kind of do. You get to habit. You can't quit it. They like to uh, reap the sperm of men and spread it among women. Yeah, that's why the sin of Onan <clears throat> is so terrible, because the uh, demons catch the sperm and then they spread it among women. Oh. Well, at least it's not spilled upon the ground. Aquinas was kind of a bastard. Uh, in his um, depiction of heaven, the uh, single greatest pleasure you could experience in heaven was watching the burning and torture of the damned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always a good time, right? <laughs> yeah, that gives you a little insight into Aquinas's character. Nice. What a nice man. So after this... Um, Everybody came together and decided that we can all live together in peace and harmony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause Respect Aquinas, each other's beliefs. <laughs> Aquinas didn't believe in witches at all. Th- these Dominicans, these Dominican fuckers. <laughs> the whole fucking witch thing you can lay at the feet of the Dominicans. Did they at least like make beer or something? There's always some monks that make good beer. I doubt it was the Dominican. It was probably the Franciscans. Yeah, you're right. They're the cool ones. All right, back to you. <laughs> All right, so you have um, Aquinas writing a, an entire treatise about witchcraft in the 1200s. Still, it, it was another like 200 years before the witch craze kind of flared up. It was two to 300 years, and mostly in the 15 and 1600s. So the cultural events that, that surrounded the witch craze at the time were uh, the Reformation, which uh, began in 1517 with Luther's 95 Theses, right, which he nailed on the door. Luther, by the way, is a strong supporter of hunting down witches, as was Calvin. So the Protestants were um, equally or even more fervent in uh, witch hunting than the Catholics. The The Reformation, though, challenged the authority of the medieval church and kind of uh, broke up it, its uh, universal grasp on power and doctrine. The Counter-Reformation, which um, began at the Council of Trent in 1543, and all of the wars that resulted from the, the Reformation, the Counter-Reformation, the Catholics versus the Protestants, um, those began essentially in 1525, and they lasted over a hundred years until at least 1648 with the Treaty of Westphalia, uh, which, by the way, set up that the ruler decides the religion of his populace. <laughs> oh, sweet. Fucking assholes. In Catholic towns, Matt, most of the uh, the majority of witches were Protestant. And in Protestant towns, the majority of witches were Catholic. I'm sure that's a total oh. coincidence. <laughs> that's, yeah. It has nothing to do with the persecution of minorities. What? I'm sure that, that, that actually they were witches. Right. The scientific revolution, including uh, Copernicus, right? So the removal of the Earth from the center of the universe to orbiting, you know, one of many stars. And, you know, all this stuff, the the common person, probably the rural peasant, doesn't know about, although it does filter through. If there's if there's a literate person like the miller or somebody in, in the village is literate, then uh, he reads this shit and, and uh, talks to the rest of the people in town about it. Um, so it does filter through uh, and it causes anxiety, right? They just cause 
Yeah, they call it bullshit, just like nowadays. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. It's just like, you can't fucking see evolution, so therefore it doesn't exist. I'm sure that the same thing was, well, what do you mean the sun is the center of the solar system and, and the earth goes around? And I can see the sun move. The earth is standing still, dipshit. What fucking idiots. <laughs> Um, finally, the discovery of the New World by Columbus in 1492. Now, imagine, Matt, being told all your life that Christianity was universal and um, that the, everyone's heard of Jesus and everyone gets saved by him, etc., etc. And then in 1493, Columbus is parading around 12 savages from the New World who <laughs> never heard of Jesus. I, I already went through this, Chuck. I grew up in California in Christian churches, and then I moved to Utah. All right. And, and they, met, they had to give us the anti-Mormon classes before we left because they were afraid. You met the savages of Utah. That's right. Who had never heard of your Jesus. That's also why I always tell people that say, one day aliens will show up and I'll just throw everything on its head. And people won't go for any deep consequences of that. They'll just say like, oh, here's some more people we can introduce Jesus to. Right, exactly. Or, or whatever the fuck they are. Um. <laughs> aliens. <laughs> Alien podcast. Let's do a podcast on aliens. <laughs> what the fuck has happened to this podcast? <laughs> well, see, what they didn't understand were these um, 12 savages were Lamanites. Oh, that's right. <laughs> they just fallen away from the truth of Mormonism. All right, so in the middle of all these changes, and the, the, the whole world right now is being thrown into upheaval. I mean, your religious world, your political world, the scientific world, everything is going through massive, massive change. Economic world, capitalism is coming in at this time. You're shifting your uh, ideas about the poor from the New Testament version of, you know, being meek and and uh, taking care of them to this capitalistic version that they're poor because they're not uh, working hard enough. All the stuff's happening. Enclosure, all the fields are being fenced in. Uh, nobles are consolidating their power, the city-states emerging. All of this shit's going on at this time. So in the middle of all these changes come two superstitious Dominican monks. Again, fucking Dominicans. Fuck the Dominicans. <laughs> they believe that all the ills of the time could be blamed on Satan and his agents, the witches. The Malleus Maleficarum was written by Jacob Sprenger and Heinrich Kramer, two Germans. Fucking Germans, too. What German they write? Dominicans. Um, the Malleus Maleficarum, the hammer of witches, or hammer against that. witches. Sounds awesome. Uh, they were inquisitors for the Catholic Church. In 1484, a papal bull called Sumus Desiderantes Affectibus was issued by Pope Innocent VIII. Um, uh, apparently, a lot of these popes like being named Innocent. Yeah. He authorized these two men to investigate cases of witchcraft. So they were going around <laughs> investigating witchcraft, and they were being frustrated by the local authorities who uh, didn't believe them, right, because of Aristotle and uh, – or, sorry, who didn't believe them. <laughs> Fuck you. It's pronounced Aquinas. Because no. of <laughs> – Shit, I said the wrong name too. Augustine. Augustine. Right, didn't believe him because of Augustine. And uh, so he, they frustrated. So that what do they do? They go to the Pope, and the Pope, being a superstitious asshole as well, issues this papal bull. It has indeed lately come to our ears, not without afflicting us with bitter sorrow, that in some parts of northern Germany, as well as in the provinces, townships, territories, districts, and dioceses of Mainz, Cologne, Trier, Salzburg, and Bremen, many persons of both sexes, unmindful of their own salvation and straying from the Catholic faith, have abandoned themselves to devils, incubi, and succubi, and by their incantations, spells, conjurations, and other accursed charms and crafts, enormities, and horrid offenses, have slain infants yet in their mother's womb, as also the offspring of cattle. You know, even worse, they've killed the offspring of cattle. Yeah. Have blasted the produce of the earth, the grapes of the vine, the fruits of the trees, nay, men and women, beasts of burden, herd beasts, as well as animals of other kinds, Vineyards, orchards, meadows, pasture land, corn, wheat, and all other cereals. <laughs> I, just, I just want to include <laughs> all the other cereals in that. These wretches uh, furthermore afflict and torment men and women, beasts of burden, herd beasts, as well as animals of other kinds, with terrible and piteous pains and sore diseases, both internal and external. They hinder men from performing the sexual act, and women from conceiving, whence husbands cannot know their wives, nor wives receive their husbands. Over and above this, they blasphemously renounce that faith which is theirs by the sacrament of baptism, and at the instigation of the enemy of mankind, they do not shrink from committing and perpetrating the foulest abominations and filthiest excesses to the deadly peril of their own souls, whereby they outrage the divine majesty 
and are a cause of scandal and danger to very many. So he authorizes Kramer and Springer to uh, act as members of the Inquisition, and he wants their the support of the the local people. So using uh, using the authority granted by this bull, Kramer investigated 57 people in Innsbruck in 1485, a year later, but not a single one was executed. The local bishop shut down the trials and said the devil was in the inquisitor, not the people of this field. Ah, in your face, Kramer. (laughs) (laughs) So... That frustrated Kramer to no end, so he fucking retired from being an Inquisitor, sat down, and with uh, uh, Sprenger, wrote this book, The Malleus Maleficarum, that was first published in 1487. So it was written pretty much to persuade people of the truth of their claims. This had tremendous influence in the witch trials of, uh, in England and the continent, but not for probably about 50 years. When the witch craze really flared up in the mid-1500s, suddenly all these accusations of witchcraft took place, and people are looking around, right, the judges of the village, to see what the hell, how do I do this trial? And, of course, the Malleus Maleficarum is the most detailed, crazy-ass, but detailed uh, book on how to conduct a witch trial. Also, the recent invention of the printing press in 1450 made it easy to print tons of copies. I mean, hundreds of copies which were later used by Catholics and Protestants alike as a guide to prosecuting witches. This book went through 36 editions before the end of the witch craze in the late 1600s. Yay, 36 fucking editions. Everybody gets a copy. Because you gotta, you got to update this shit, right? That's oh, more, yeah. you get a you get a Bible and a Malleus Maleficarum. That's, that's, that's awesome. As more evidence of witchcraft comes through, you got to update this shit. Uh, so the Malleus itself is divided into three parts. The first part argues that witchcraft involves three things. The devil, a witch, and the permission of God. By the way, Malleus Maleficarum is feminine. You know, they they'll make they'll make noises about, you know, men can be witches too, but if if it were for men and women, the proper title would be Malleus Maleficarum. That would mean uh, either men or men and women. Malleus Maleficarum is specifically women. Uh-huh. So hammer of, of witches, feminine. So it requires the devil, a witch, and the permission of God. And they argue, since the devil's power is greatest in matters of sexuality, and women are, by their nature, more carnal than men, they are, of course, more susceptible to the devil's influence. Quote, All witchcraft comes from carnal lust, which is in women insatiable. Oh, really? How come yeah. I never meet these women? What well, could we execute them all. Oh, that's, that's right. Why. Oh, it's like uh, natural selection. Exactly. That's why... Women today are no longer more carnal than men. Exactly. (laughs) And that's why there are no more witches. They went extinct. Oh. The second part discusses actual cases of witchcraft, uh, what powers witches have, how witches are recruited, and this happens mostly by other witches who seduce them into a lesbian relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. And Uh, remedies for witches' spells. The third part describes the legal process of prosecuting a witch. That is by far the most boring part. Uh, Contains such advice as uh, you automatically condemn as a witch those women who do not cry at their trial. Right. Because not crying. Yeah, right. If they don't cry, then they're supported by Satan, and uh, they're obviously witches. Uh, If they do cry, however, that's just a a trick by the devil, and they're they're witches anyway. (laughs) So, the Malleus Maleficarum is this fucking long, excruciating book, but I do want to read some outtakes from the Malleus, just to give you some idea of how fucking crazy Heinrich Kramer, the, the guy who wrote this, was. Part 1, question 6. Why is it that women are chiefly addicted to evil superstitions? Uh, That seems obvious, Matt, don't you think? Oh, sure. I mean, we don't even have to read it. (laughs) (laughs) Others, again, have propounded other reasons why there are more superstitious women found than men. Maybe, maybe it's because you don't fucking allow them to be educated. I'm just spitballing here, but that's possibly why. Uh, And the first is that they are more credulous. And since the chief aim of the devil is to corrupt faith... Therefore, he rather attacks them. The second reason is that women are naturally more impressionable and more ready to receive the influence of a disembodied spirit. I naturally. Mean, that, that, uh, that's just beyond doubt. The third reason is that they have slippery tongues <laughs> and are unable to conceal from fellow women those things which by evil arts they know. And since they are weak, they find it an easy and secret manner of vindicating themselves by witchcraft. What is a slippery tongue? What's a slippery tongue? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. They can't keep quiet. Is that what the? Is that? It's, it's not probably, something to do with the lesbian witch relationships. Probably something sexual in there. I'm just yeah. missing. And they also like to scissor. 
And it, should, it should be noted that, oh, this is the proof, Matt. Here's the, here's oh. the objective empirical evidence. It should be noted that there is a defect in the formation of the first woman since she was formed from a bent rib, that is, a rib of the breast, which is bent, as it were, in a contrary direction to a man. And since through this defect she is an imperfect animal, she always deceives. You can follow the logic straight down. Now I get it. That is uh, ironclad logic. You see, if she were formed from a straight rib, like one of the floating ribs in back, lower down, then she would have been uh, always truthful. But since she was born from a bent rib, clearly she's imperfect and always deceives. So she was formed from a bent rib, and, and yet it's still still her fault somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Part 1, question 8. Whether witches can hebitate the powers of generation or obstruct the venereal act. This, you know, there, I think there are like seven chapters specifically dealing with sex in this fucking what? book. What does hebitate mean? I think prevent. To make obtuse or dull. Oh, sure. impair uh, the powers of generation or obstruct the venereal act. Part one, question nine, whether witches may work some prestidigitatory illusion so that the male organ appears to be entirely removed and separate from the body. Here we go. Spoiler alert, <laughs> they can. Yes, they can. They can. Here is declared Yoink. the truth about diabolic <laughs> operations with regard to the male organ. And to make plain the facts in this matter, it is asked whether witches can, with the help of devils, really and actually remove the member, or whether they can do so apparently by some glamour or illusion. So, so is it, the question is, can they actually do it, or is it just a trick? Uh, they can actually do it. It's not just a trick. They can do both, but they can actually remove the member. They can detach uh-huh. that sucker right off. And it's argued because devils can do greater things than, than that. Devils can kill people, right? Or carry them from place to place. So if they can do greater things than that, then of course they can grab a penis. So killing somebody is greater than just snatching their penis. Yes. Okay. That, well, that I, makes sense. Again, that's empirically verified. Part 2, Chapter 4. Here follows the way whereby witches copulate with those devils known as incubi. The incubi... The devils can't copulate in their devil form. So what they do is they assume a body to use for sex. Like they inhabit somebody? Well, I think they... Um, yeah, Possession? They, they, they possess somebody or inhabit somebody. Or maybe they just change into a body. I can't, I can't remember exactly. Um, well, that's a great excuse for somebody who regrets something the next morning. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was just I was possessed. Just possessed. <laughs> I was possessed. So in order to copulate, in order to be pregnant, they have to assume a body. Otherwise, they can remain a toad or a cat or a spider or whatever and just have sex with that. But they won't become pregnant. That's right. Only two of those are fun to have sex with, Chuck. Part 2, Chapter 6, How Witches Impede and Prevent the Power of Procreation. Uh, first, when they directly prevent the erection of the member, which is accommodated to fructification. Uh, if you're a spider, if you're a, a demon in the form of a spider, that directly prevents the erection of my <laughs> So witches have the power to uh, cause impotence, apparently. Um, fructification, I think, is is the ability to produce seed, I think, is what that fucking word means. Uh, and this need not seem impossible when it is considered that they are able to vitiate the natural use of any member, you see? So they can stop the use of hands or feet. And so, of course, they can do that. They can uh, vitiate the use of the male organ. Secondly, uh-huh. when they prevent the flow of the vital essences to the members in which resides the motive force, closing up the seminal ducts so that it does not reach the generative vessels or so that it cannot be ejaculated or is fruitlessly spilled. So what they do is they kind of shut up the vas deferens and then the uh, sperm can't get out of the testicles. Or, or it can get out and it's fruitlessly spilled? Yeah, so I guess you're pumping away and the, the uh, witch pulls your hips back and it just spills all over the ground. Damn it. Fruitlessly. Part 2, Chapter 7. How, as it were, they deprive man of his virile member. Remember, um, this is the most popular manual on witchcraft, so this is what people are fucking reading and being influenced by. Before I read this, I thought our former podcast had the most penis talk in it. Not even close. (laughs) Not even. This guy is really afraid of his penis getting snatched, I think. Yeah, you remember that, that we were talking about that uh, anxiety caused by the encroachment of modernity into Africa? And right. It, it causes these guys to think that someone's going to snatch their penis. It's fucking exact same thing in the Middle Ages. Exact same thing. Apparently men are, at their core, very, very afraid someone's going to come along and grab their penis. Hey, what's the first thing you do? Everything... Uh... 
when things go wrong, you know, you, you cover your nuts, you grab your package. Totally true. Careful. <laughs> so in this, I got to read this because this is one of the most uh, hilarious uh, stories in the entire Malleus. Um, it's part two, chapter seven. So he, he says, a similar experience is narrated by a certain venerable father from the Dominican House of Sp- Okay, so here he is. He's a fucking Dominican again. Yep. Dominican House of Spires, well known in the order for the honesty of his life and for his learning. So this guy is unimpeachable honesty. And remember, too, Matt, he was um, raised by Christians to uh, be scrupulously honest. So he probably made copies of Bibles in which no mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> One day, he says, while I was hearing confessions, a young man came to me and in the course of his confession, woefully said that he had lost his member. Damn it. Oh, God. Maybe he just misplaced it. Uh, being astonished at this and not being willing to give it easy credence, since the opinion of the wise, it is a mark of lightheartedness to believe too easily. I obtained proof of it when I saw nothing on the young man's removing his clothes and showing the place. So he's just like a fucking Ken doll down there. It's all smooth. <laughs> Ew. Then, using the wisest counsel I could, I asked whether he suspected anyone of having so bewitched him. And the young man said that he did suspect someone, but that she was absent and living in worms. I guess that's a city. Then I said, I advise you to go to her as soon as possible and try your utmost to soften her with gentle words and promises. And he did so. For he came back after a few days and thanked me, saying that he was whole and had recovered everything. And I believed his words, but again proved them by the evidence of my eyes. And so he looked at, at his, you know, he had to remove his pants, and there it was. The penis was back. It's a happy ending. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, this was a very uh, honest, scrupulously honest. This guy would not lie because he's a member of the Dominican Order. That's and right. And venerable father. And uh, another story goes on. And what then is to be thought of those witches who in this way sometimes collect male organs in great numbers, as many as 20 or 30 members together, and put them in a bird's nest, or shut them up in a box, where they move themselves like living members, and eat oats and corn, and has seen uh, has been seen by many, and is a matter of common report. Well, well, what do we make of that? They're shutting them up in a box, and then feeding them oats and corn, like a hamster? Apparently the... the Penises are wriggling all around, and you gotta you gotta feed them oats and corn to survive. Otherwise, they'll die. Oh, that's right. And then you can't play with them anymore. Exactly. For a certain man tells that when he had lost his member, he approached a known witch to ask her to restore it to him. She told the afflicted man to climb a certain tree that he might take which he liked out of the nest in which there were several members. And when he tried to take a big one, the witch said, <laughs> "You must not take that one." Adding. Because it belongs to a parish priest. <laughs> yeah, the priests have the big dicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, God, take, this... don't take that one. That one's black. I'm I'll sorry. just climb this tree and take the biggest dick in the nest. <laughs> well, it's kind of like going through the lost and found. You know, you're like, oh, what do we got here? Oh, here's a pair of gloves that fit. <laughs> this looks like mine. I love that apparently everyone in the Middle Ages has a detachable penis. Look at everybody. <laughs> And that's where that song came from. <laughs> King Missile, look it up. <laughs> um, Matt, part two, chapter two, remedies prescribed for those who are bewitched by the limitation of the generative power. So uh, if you are bewitched by someone and you become impotent, here's what you do. Okay. There are five remedies which may be lawfully applied to those who are bewitched in this way. Namely, a pilgrimage to some holy and venerable shrine, true confession of their sins with contrition, the plentiful use of the sign of the cross and devout prayer, lawful exorcism by solemn words, the nature of which will be explained later, and lastly, a remedy can be effected by prudently approaching the witch, as was shown in the case of the Count, who for three years was a- unable to cohabit carnally with a virgin whom he had married. So if all of the other shit doesn't work like prayer and confessing your sins and using the fucking cross and exorcism, then you got to go back to the witch and please, please, please make me uh, have the ability to become erect again. Oh, my God. I just saw – you just see in there – you know, how many homosexual Christians that could not – cohabit carnally, you know, with their wife. Yeah. Blamed it on witches. Right, uh, exactly. I'd love to, baby, but <laughs> a witch stole my penis. But witchcraft. Look, look, I'm smooth down there. <laughs> smooth. I've got to make a pilgrimage. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Part 2, Chapter 4, Remedies Prescribed for Those Who by Prestidigitative Art Have Lost Their Viral Members or have seemingly been transformed in the shape of beasts. So, Matt, if you find yourself without a penis or transformed into a goat, here's what you must do. Wait, is 
is it my member that's been transformed into a shape of a beast? No, your or entire just, body. Oh, my entire body. Because that would have been awesome. Including <laughs> your member. Before all things, they must be reconciled to God by a good confession. But, Matt, the remedy is that they should, as far as possible, come to an amicable agreement with the witch herself. Because, apparently, the witch is more powerful than God. You so confess, you pray, but really the true remedy is to get the witch to reverse the spell. So, so far, they're saying, he's saying, hey, just every now and then, you got to just talk to the witch. When do we get to the killing the witch? <laughs> well, that comes in part three, how to carry out a witch trial. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was, he was going slow there for a while. I thought he liked witches. Just go talk to the witch. <laughs> so yeah, here's nice. what happens. If the witch has been accused, the judge is supposed to question the accuser and any named as possible witnesses by the accuser, and then determine whether there is light or strong suspicion of witchcraft. If there's light suspicion, the accused is brought before the judge for questioning, and her place of residence is a search for any items associated with witchcraft, like little voodoo nest, dolls. Right. Or, uh, a nest of penises. Exactly. A bird's nest full of penises. If there's a strong suspicion, uh, you arrest the accused, and she's incarcerated while the trial proceeds. The judge then takes into account three things. The accused reputation. This is why the older women, you know, who are live at the edge of the village and are barely scraping by and have, like, you know, kind of senile and a little weird, bad reputation. They always, always witchcraft. Yeah. Um, it's the accused reputation, the evidence of witchcraft, and the words of the witnesses. If all three agree she's a witch, you're done. Off to the burning. If two out of the three strongly agree, she's still a witch. If they do not agree, then further investigation is warranted. You see how this is problematic? <laughs> we we either agree or we keep looking until we agree. <laughs> right. Uh, the witch will either then confess or not. If she confesses, she's handed over to the civil court for execution. If she does not confess, she's handed over to the civil court to be tried and punished as a heretic. So take your pick. And then what's the punishment of heresy? Is it execution? Execution. Probably. I, I think maybe sometimes they can be imprisoned for life. But uh, I think it's mostly for execution. Uh, part three, question nine: What is to be done after the arrest, and whether the names of the witnesses should be made known to the accused? Um, they said that Boniface the Eighth, I guess, is a pope, decreed as follows: If in a case of heresy it appeared to the bishop or inquisitor that grave danger would be occurred by the witnesses or informers on account of the powers of the person against whom they lay their depositions, should their names be published, he shall not publish them. If there's not a danger, their name shall be published, just as in other cases. So, just before the fact, if the accused is a witch, of course if you publish their names, then she'll cast a spell against them, right? So, in this case, um, if you accuse someone of witchcraft, you're pretty much protected, and all the witnesses are protected. No one knows who accused you, and so it really hampers your defense. Oh, sweet. So, you got uh, anonymous... Accusations. <laughs> Anonymous accusations. They're protected from being published. <clears throat> so you're dragged before, and you just say that you, you just are informed that someone has accused you of witchcraft. It's part three, question 10. What kind of defense may be allowed and of the appointment of an advocate? Now, an advocate is allowed if requested, but in the vast majority of cases, no one agreed to be an advocate because if you defend a witch, then you are a witch right. yourself. <laughs> yeah, who wants to be the witch defender? This is um, made clear right in the text of the Malleus, where it directs the judge to admonish the advocate to be careful, quote, not to incur the charge of defending heresy, which would make him liable to excommunication. So I don't know how the fuck these people ever got anyone to act in their defense. And generally it didn't happen. Well, you might see later when we talk about Salem, <laughs> when somebody spoke up, yeah, the accusations came right out. Right, of course. You speak up to defend a witch, and you're a witch yourself. Yeah. Part 3, question 14, of the method of sentencing the accused to be questioned and how she must be questioned on the first day and whether she may be promised her life. Now, this is very interesting. The question comes up, can you promise the witch her life? Um, so, anyway, here's the, here's the uh, method of sentencing. We, the judge and assessors, having attended and considered the details of the process enacted by us against you of such a place in such a diocese, and having diligently examined the whole matter, find that you are equivocal in your admissions, as, for example, when you say that you use such threats with no intention of doing an injury. 
So this person <laughs> threatens somebody, and then something bad happens to them, and then they accuse them of witchcraft, right? And say, well, I, I didn't have any intention of actually doing them harm. I just threatened. Um, but nevertheless, there are various proofs which are of sufficient warrant for exposing you to the question and torture. Wherefore, that the truth may be known from your own mouth, and that henceforth you may not offend the ears of the judges, we declare, judge, and sentence that on this present day, at such an hour, you be placed under question and torture. Oh, nice. We don't want to listen to you. <laughs> You're offending my ears, so we got to torture right. you. And it should be begun in this way. While the officers are preparing for the questioning, let the accused be stripped. Or if she's a woman, let her first be led to the penal cells, and there stripped by honest women of good reputation. And the reason okay. for this is that they should search for any instrument of witchcraft sewn into her clothes. For they often make such instruments, at the instruction of devils, out of the limbs of unbaptized children. <laughs> oh, my God. The purpose being me? that yeah. those children should be deprived of the beatific vision. And when such instruments have been disposed of, the judge shall use his own persuasions and those of other honest men zealous for the faith to induce her to confess the truth voluntarily. And if she will not, let him order the officers to bind her with cords and apply her to some engine of torture, and then let them obey at once, but not joyfully, rather appearing to be disturbed by their duty. Then let her be released again at someone's earnest request and taken on one side, and let her again be persuaded, and in persuading her, let her be told that she can escape the death penalty. So... That is nuts. Now we also, come... I'm just going to use... The limbs of unbaptized children. I'm going to use that from now on when I see weird things. <laughs> like out of the mouths of babes. By the limbs out of, of the unbaptized limbs. children. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you sew them into your clothes, right? No one will notice this. No. There are three opinions on whether an accused may be promised her life. One, only if she is, quote, sentenced for life on bread and water, provided that she supply evidence which will lead to the conviction of other witches. So you can promise her her life, but she's going to have life imprisonment and only be given bread and water for the rest of her life if, in addition, she names a bunch of other witches. Oh, number two, bread and water. Number two, she can be promised her life as above, but after a time of imprisonment, she should be burned anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and number three, if a judge is squeamish about this, he may promise her her life, but then pass the actual sentencing duty to another judge. So the malleus leaves a choice of which of these three up to the individual judge. So, so there's three choices, and yet really two of them are the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Burn her anyway. Uh, the Malleus continues, But if neither threats nor such promises will induce her to confess the truth, then the officers must proceed with the sentence, and she must be examined, not in any new or exquisite manner, but in the usual way, lightly or heavily, according to the nature of her crime's demands. And while she's being questioned about each several point, let her be often and frequently exposed to torture, beginning with the more gentle of them, for the judge should not be too hasty to proceed to the graver kind. You don't oh, be too hasty yeah. in this. And while, want to this save being, that for later. while this is being done, let the notary write all down how she is tortured and what questions are asked and how she answers. And note that if she confesses under torture, she should then be taken to another place and questioned anew, so that she does not confess only under the stress of torture. Just under the stress of, you're going to be taken right back and be tortured if you don't reiterate your confession. Oh, so it's a system of checks and balances. Exactly. See. The next step of the judge should be that if... After being fittingly tortured, she refuses to confess the truth. She should have other engines of torture brought before her and tell her that she will have to endure these if she does not confess. Kepler's mother, Johannes Kepler, um, who figured out that the orbits of the planets were ellipses, his mother was brought before a witch trial. She was, she was an older woman uh, accused of witchcraft, and I don't believe she was actually tortured because Kepler was a very prominent in the uh, kingdom that, that he was in. But she uh, she suffered. They laid all the instruments of torture in front of her and threatened to uh, torture her if she didn't confess. So she was subjected to this. Um, she didn't confess, and she actually got off the uh, accusation of witchcraft. Um, but she died like six months later because of the stress of all this stuff. And the only way she got off was because the Kepler had the resources to defend her at the trial. Yeah. So you torture them, then you don't torture them, and then you show them the torture devices? Right. You torture them until they confess using um, engines of even uh, more painful torture as you, the torture progresses. Finally, they'll confess. And then you take them out and uh, so that they're not under 
the stress of torture, get them to reiterate, you know, repeat their confession. If they don't, then you lay the uh, instruments of the next torture in front of them. If she then is not induced by terror to confess, the torture must be continued on the second or third day, but not repeated at that present time unless there should be some fresh indication of its probable success. So you see how many safeguards there are. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The system works. Yeah, we're going to